Welcome everyone to Understanding the Human Condition. I'm your host, Dr. James Flowers, joined my, by my co-host, Robin French. Hi, Dr. Flowers. How are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing great. It's awfully hot in Houston, but other than that, I'm right? great. Yeah. yeah. I'm super excited. Today we're talking about the opioid crisis, something that's certainly close to my life and my family and devastating in my own uh, life and my family. Uh, and we're talking about the independent film, Life After You, What Your Death From Drugs Leaves Behind. Is that right, ladies? It's based off of the book, um, Life After You, What Your Death From Drugs uh, Leaves Behind by Linda Latterman. Uh, the film is just called Life After You. Oh, there you go. Thank you for correcting me. Yeah. yeah so the film centered around a suburban family struggle with the death of their 19-year-old son following an overdose of heroin laced with fentanyl. Yeah. Correct? We're excited to be joined by the movie's producers and lead actress. But before we introduce them, we'd like to show you a trailer, everyone, uh, so that you can see why the movie is being recognized internationally. Awesome. Yep. Mm. Is that your mess in the TV room? Yeah, I was gonna clean it up. I'm glad we can talk about anything. Yeah, you're my buddy. Danny, <laughs> don't do this to me. I meant what I said. Grades go down, car's not around. to determine the cause of death. We have to make decisions, Papa. Are we gonna bury him? He stood me up twice last week. I should have known something was up. It's not your fault. I'm fine. You're not fine. You don't sleep, you hardly ever eat. All you do is drink coffee. When was the last time you had a decent shower? I mean, you're not even like here, here, here. What happened to us is private. It is nobody's business but ours. This is happening everywhere, constantly. I need to say something. How could you not tell me Doug was using? How could you not know Danny was? This isn't your fault. Yes, it is. We couldn't have gone on without you. I couldn't have gone on without you. That was powerful. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us. And can each of you introduce yourselves and share your role in the film? Sure. Uh, my name is Sarah Schwab. I am uh, the director, the co-writer, and one of the producers. Nice to meet you. Thanks for being mm -hmm. here. I'm Charlene Gianetti. I'm one of the producers of the film, and I published Linda's book, uh, that inspires the film. Got awesome. it. Thank you. I'm Florence Villosano, and um, I play Linda Latterman in the film, and I co-wrote the film with Sarah, and uh, am one of the producers on it. Wonderful. Thanks yeah. for joining us, all three of you. 
it is haunting. It's it's just an amazing movie, and it also obviously reminds me a lot yeah. about my own life and my own family. Right, Robin? Yeah. What inspired you uh, to take on this project, ladies? Charlene, do you want to go first since you're the seed sure. of the whole thing? Yeah. Sure. Well, uh, Danny Latterman uh, died in February of 2014, and uh, I had a small book publishing company and she came to me uh, to ask if I would work with her on publishing her book and her book was really a wake-up call for young people uh, because of what happened with Danny. She did not want to see another family devastated the way their family had been devastated and after I published the book I got to know Linda, her husband uh, Tito and their family. And because of what was happening in our country, I really felt that telling their story, telling the story of this typical New Jersey family mm -hmm. that was close and loving, and yet uh, did not know that their young son was doing this and was so devastated. And what happened to them after he died could be a very powerful uh, film and a wake-up call for parents and uh, their children. So I approached uh, Florencia, um, having interviewed her for my website, Woman Around Town, mm -hmm. and asked her if she would be interested in playing Linda because I really felt that uh, she would be perfect for this role. And she agreed, and then Sarah came on board as director and they worked on the script. And uh, we uh, managed to get it done right before the pandemic, luckily. <sighs> sure. And now we're on the uh, film festival circuit, and we're really hoping that it, this is going to help um, make a difference. Absolutely, mm -hmm. I think there's no doubt in my mind that it will oh. that it is making a difference and uh -huh. will make a difference for a long time to come. What was the time period between his death and the time that she wrote the book? Uh, you know, Dr. Flowers, it was very quick because what had happened was she went on Facebook after he died. She mm -hmm. she went into a tailspin, yeah. um, you know, afterwards. And she went on Facebook and started to post saying that, uh, don't let this happen to your family. And to her surprise, which we show in the film, she was getting outpourings from all over the world, mm -hmm. uh, you know, from people of all walks of life, a, a police chief in California and people in Australia. It was just overwhelming. And that's when she decided that she should actually write this book. So that's when she came to me and uh, we worked on the book together and got that out as quickly as we could. But, you know, it took a, a while to get the film together because um, making a film of this nature, uh, you know, was, was a challenge. And we really wanted to do uh, justice to the story and also to be very respectful to the Lattermans because they were brave enough to come forward and tell this story. Sure, right. absolutely. Right. Was she a consultant or anybody in their family consultants or did they participate uh, in the movie at all? Not creatively. I mean, obviously, uh, Sarah and Florencia talked with, with Linda and with Tito a lot as we went through this process just to, uh, you know, find out some of what had happened after after Danny died so that sure. but you know there are parts of the film that are dramatized that aren't um, you know actually things that happened sure. to the Latinans but it's pretty pretty true to to their story and uh, when they saw the film which you can imagine was um, was hard for them um, you know to see their story uh, on film. Uh, they were uh, very 
happy that their story was told respectfully. And, uh, you know, they're very brave going out there. Linda has talked to groups and, um, you know, and uh, she's had people show up at her door with the book after uh, they read it saying, you know, you saved my life, you saved my child's life. So wow. she's had an impact with the book and now the, the film will continue that. Amazing. I can't wait to watch the journey of the film. Yeah. yeah. And you won a slew of awards, right? Tell the audience about some of the awards you've won and which ones meant the most to you or surprised you. Well, Sarah should tell that story. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we've gotten to, into, I think, uh, eight film festivals internationally now, which is really fantastic uh, for multiple, you know, for multiple reasons. Uh, our first uh festival was at World Fest Houston mm -hmm. and uh, Florencia Lozano won Best Lead Actress in the film, which Congrats. was fantastic. Uh, she was up against great, great talent and uh, it was just a beautiful awesome. um, reward. Uh, and the film won a special jury prize for a first feature as well. Uh, so for that was... <laughs> you know, so it was, it was very uh -huh. special um, that one came as a surprise for us. And so having that be our, our, our debut yeah. to share the film with people, it was a very, a very exciting uh, and beautiful evening because at that event in Houston, uh, we had uh, members um, of the community uh, who came and spoke about uh, opiate, the opiate crisis and prevention and um you know, just advocates to get this message out there, and they were part of the Q and A afterwards. So that was that was very special. Mm -hmm. uh, but we um, we won uh, best lead actress uh, again for Florencia uh, and best feature in the Nice International Film Festival in France. And currently in Madrid, we are up for best feature, uh, best director, best lead actress Florencia, best lead actor. Uh, best editing and best original screenplay. Wow, so that is amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Great news. Yeah. Hey, Florencia, Roses and Thorns. So, what was the best part and what was the worst part about portraying or representing, I should say, the worst days of this mother and her family's life? Um, I mean, the worst part is just that it, um, this story is more relevant than ever, you know. Yeah. We thought, oh gosh, part of us was like, we need to make this film now. We need to, you know, uh, all the time that we were making the film, mm -hmm. it was always in the news. We kept sending each other articles. It was like, oh wow, this, yeah. this, we really need to tell the story. And, and it felt like a very urgent um, mm -hmm. message. And it feels more urgent than ever now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's, that's disheartening. Um, I guess I thought there would, you know, by this time things would be different. Mm -hmm. um, I think the pandemic really, really hurt so many people mm -hmm. yeah. on levels. But the isolation caused by the pandemic, yeah. I mean, one of the major things I learned in this film is that, you know, community and addiction are you know the opposite of yeah. each other you know, it, when mm -hmm. one has that sense that you are not alone yeah. other people are also suffering mm -hmm. and you can come together and and to not have that um it was just it was you know as charlene said we, we filmed this right before the pandemic um 
And then once we went into the pandemic, to start hearing about the number of people who had lost their community. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was just devastating. It, it really was devastating for so many people when you're used to going to meetings and you're used to having a community around you and surrounding you and all of the support network and then all of a sudden going on lockdown and not having that, right? That mm -hmm. was even in the beginning, no one knew what Zoom was, right? And even mm -hmm. having a Zoom meeting is so much different than sitting in a room with a community of people, mm -hmm. right, who have been through the things that you've been through. And, you know, alcohol use, drug use, um, uh, just went through the roof during the pandemic and is continuing to do so now. I think in Houston alone, domestic violence was up over 100%. Mm -hmm. uh, alcohol abuse was, alcohol use was up something like 800% just in this alcohol cells in the city of Houston. Well, you know, we got so busy. I mentioned I mean, that, that I happen to own three treatment centers and people will say, well, how was the pandemic? How did it affect your business? And I hate saying, I literally hate saying, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, it was the record year, mm -hmm. right? For, yeah. you know, for admissions. And it was, I'm glad mm -hmm. we're there to help people. Right. But it just was such a direct impact from uh, the pandemic and being shut down and shut mm -hmm. out from so many meetings so well you know leonard leonard kincaid and richard moak from the houston recovery center were at our screening and it was so amazing and sad to hear them talk about what they were doing during the pandemic how they mm -hmm. were going out on calls administering narcan and yeah. how uh, devastating it had been uh, to the houston community um, it, you know, and, and this was happening. I mean, I think 98,000 people died from mm -hmm. overdoses during the pandemic. So it, it really, it really did have an impact, unfortunately. You know, speaking of an impact, Sarah, I can imagine shooting this film took a tremendous emotional toll on both cast and crew. What are some of the other challenges that you all faced? Uh, and what was the over impact, overall impact really? on your life in particular making this film? Well, this was my first feature film uh, that I had directed and that I had uh, co-wrote with Florencia. So that alone coming uh, onto a shoot uh, was, very, was very scary. Um, but I was very lucky that I had a fantastic producer team who was just absolutely supportive. Yeah fantastic actors and crew we were all one family we were a family telling this family story and to have that sort of foundation that that really just helped me find what the through line of the story and the importance of the story was and it was not only to get the Latterman's uh unfortunate tale out there in the world but that this is happening way too much and mm -hmm. Earlier on, you were saying the word haunting, that the trailer is haunting. And I'm so happy that that's the adjective that you chose to use because that was the point. This is a horror story. This mm -hmm. is a drama, but it is also a horror story that is happening way too often. Mm -hmm. And so to come out of that trepidation of not knowing if I could uh, help steer this really choppy ship and choppy waters and to come out the other side of it and to see just what a beautiful, heartbreaking story it is feels just just really purposeful. And, Absolutely. Uh, very satisfying. Yeah. yeah. Charlene, I have a question for you. 
when we're looking at the opiate epidemic in the United States and, and as a journalist understanding Purdue Pharma, right, the maker of OxyContin, what is your thought on the what's going on with Purdue Pharma, the Sackler family, um, and, uh, and how they have impacted our world really as a whole, but especially as it pertains to opiate use and, and deaths? I think what I hope is that moving forward, we've learned something from this because uh, this was a, a tale of, um, you know, a marketing push uh -huh. to make money. Right. And uh, what was ignored uh, was the fact that these uh, medications were incredibly addictive. They were being overprescribed. They were being um, pushed all the way down the line <clears throat> from the top of Purdue Pharma all the way down to, um, you know, the compounding pharmacies and the pharmacies and the doctors. Mm -hmm. And I know at the time there was this um, philosophy among the medical profession that uh, people shouldn't experience pain. Mm -hmm. And that's what the opioids were supposed to deal with. Mm -hmm. But the fact is that there are lots of ways to deal with pain. I mean, now we find that uh, doctors are very reluctant to prescribe opioids and mm -hmm. instead will send you away with, uh, you know, Tylenol and Advil and other uh, medications that can work uh, efficiently and just as well. Mm -hmm. But there ha I mean, I think a lot of people are disappointed that uh, like the banking crisis, no one's gone to jail for this. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and I in the paper the other day, you know, they were talking about the settlements and a lot of that money. Will it trickle down to the people that were actually hurt? Because yeah. cities and states spent a lot of money battling this crisis. And that's where a lot of these funds are going to go to first. Right. Mm -hmm. If you've lost someone uh, from an overdose dose, are you ever going to be compensated? And really, uh, what will compensate? I mean, I know that, you know, yeah. the Lattermans and other families will never be compensated for uh, the loss of a child. Yeah. So a absolutely, um, there, has, there has been a lot of backlash. I mean, the Sackler name has been taken off of oh. a lot of buildings. All over uh, the yeah. world, probably. Museums and universities and most of what their philanthropic activities went to have removed their names. You know, part of, I think, what brought this on was back in the 90s, I think, when, when Bill Clinton, I don't think he did this intentionally. I think he did it trying to help people, but personally is my belief. But when he signed the bill into law that healthcare programs and healthcare facilities and hospitals must treat pain adequately, didn't say they should treat pain adequately, it said they must. And that word must open Pandora's box. And yes. so the Joint Commission and, and Medicare came out and said, well, hospital systems and physicians, if you don't treat pain adequately, we're gonna take your license away. So it just opened this huge plethora of, of, of mm -hmm. opportunity really for Purdue Pharma and other manufacturers. Purdue Pharma spent about $150 million in their first year of advertising and marketing that one medication, OxyContin. The single most quoted sentence, I wonder if any of the three of you know what it is, in literature actually has to do with the opiate crisis. Do any of you know what that is? No. <laughs> so in, in JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association, the most respected medical journal in the world, the editor of JAMA said in his opening letter uh, in JAMA back in the 90s, 
Oxycontin is not addictive. And that sentence has been quoted more times than any other sentence in American history. And in, yeah, absolutely. Oh my God, that's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Oxycontin is not addictive. Most wow. quoted sentence in history. Oh my God, that's, that's blowing my mind. Isn't that wild? And in yeah. fact, just a couple of years ago, uh, the editor in chief of JAMA wrote in his editorial opening of JAMA an apology letter for writing that sentence. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, retracting it, but what? 20, 30 years later, 20, 25 years too late, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty amazing. Yeah. You know, again, Charlene, you've spent so many years as a journalist and author educating parents. Tell us how they can talk to their children about drugs. Oh, gosh. Well, <laughs> I should tell you before uh, I tackled this film and before I launched my website, Woman Around Town, uh, with a co-author, I wrote eight books for parents of young adolescents. And we dealt with all the issues that come up during the teenage years. And Margaret, my co-author and I used to say that the way to guarantee that you will have no one come to our talk is to publicize it as a talk about drugs. Right. Because parents were always in the mode of not my child, not my child. He's not going to take drugs. I've told him mm -hmm. about how dangerous it is and all mm -hmm. of that. And he's not going to take drugs. And getting around that and trying to uh, get parents to understand that the dangers are out there and peer pressure plays a big role. Mm -hmm. And now I, I think the real danger with what we're seeing now is that uh, a young person can take one pill, just one pill and die. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we've seen this. We've seen the headlines on this yeah. because if it's if it has fentanyl and, you know, where these drugs are coming from, uh, they are using cheaper products and they're amping up, you know, the power so that, you know, you can die. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that parents can, uh, you know, we used to talk to middle school parents and they were upset that we were talking to young adolescents about drugs. Yeah. But it yeah. starts earlier and earlier and you have to really talk to your child. And you, I mean, you know, the, the tragic thing about uh, the Lattermans is that Linda was very close to Danny, but uh, young people, teenagers, they are really good at lying. They're mm -hmm. really good at covering things up and, uh, you know, having that communication, you know, you don't have to spy, you don't have to be overbearing. But, you know, you do have to keep in touch with what they're doing and know who their friends are, um, know who the other parents are, um, you know, to keep your your antenna up at all times so yeah. that, you know, well, if, if there's something going on, you're going to pick up on it. So I was going to ask, how did they get um, how are they getting these? Are they getting from schoolmates? Or how, oh, gosh, they're I getting mean, them from schoolmates. They're getting them from people in the schoolyard they're getting them from adults walking around the school they're well, getting in the, in the in the latterman case the drugs were being sold by a parent at the high school yeah there oh you go oh my gosh yeah, so, yeah. absolutely well, you know going to other kids houses and looking in the medicine cabinets and just it's it's it is so easy to access mm -hmm. you know uh in my own life my sister was a drug addict a heroin addict uh, and her started with pot and escalated to heroin and cocaine eventually 
uh, and ended up when I was a senior junior in college, uh, ended up dying, fell off of an eight story balcony and died. And I watched my mother and my family and my sisters just go through that as well as myself. And it's one of the most difficult things that any of us has ever gone through. But for a mother to lose her child uh, is one of the worst things that I've ever seen in my life. How is she doing today? Uh, Linda's amazing. Um, you know, she has grandchildren now. Mm -hmm. She's back at work. She's been, uh, she's a nurse. Uh, so she's busier than ever. Yep. Uh, she consults and, you know, with lawyers and malpractice cases and all of that. But, you know, Dr. Flash, one of the things, and, you know, Sarah and Florencia can certainly jump in on this too. One of the things we also wanted to do with this film, and it's so uh, timely because of what's happened with the pandemic. Mm -hmm is to show how people grieve yeah. and show that there are different ways to grieve. You will find that the members of the Latterman family grieved in different ways and there's no timeline on it. There's mm -hmm. no right or wrong way to do it. And I think that that is going to resonate with a lot of people uh, you know, who have lost loved ones during the pandemic. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be through a drug overdose. It can be through COVID that you know how you cope and how you try to hold your family together when people are grieving differently that can be mm -hmm. a challenge too as we as we show in the film right mm -hmm. absolutely you know uh speaking of grief it does it comes out in many many ways from different families again in my own family when my sister fell she fell eight stories and the police brought my mother a brown paper sack folded at the top and gave it to my, just handed it to my mother and my mother opened it and it was my sister's bloody clothes from, <sighs> from falling eight stories. And do you know, my mother lived another 40 something years after her daughter, my sister died and she never, ever, ever, I begged my mother before I do what I do for a living at this point, but for, in college, I would beg my mother to throw it away. And I'd say, mother, get rid of it, get rid of it. You have to throw that away and let it go. Mm -hmm. And she just wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, when she passed away, that was still, of course, in her bedroom, in my mother's bedroom. And that mm. was just part of her grief. And mm -hmm. my mother was one of the most resilient women in the world, but really never was able to overcome that. She lived a healthy, functional life after that. She, you know, she was in recovery herself for many years and lived a great life and worked hard. But you never get over losing your child. Can't imagine. Yeah. So true. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. When are we going to get to see the film? Because I've seen the trailer, of course. But when are we all going to, the normal people, when are we going to get yeah. to see How this? How can we support it? Yeah. Uh, you know, we have about, uh, I think, 20 festivals in the circuit that we are still waiting to hear from. Mm -hmm. uh, we will know, I believe, in the next, uh, by spring, what all of those festivals are. So Wonderful. Uh, we are always putting it out there, which festivals are supporting the film. So you can see it that way by going to the festival. Uh, after that, uh, we are hoping uh, and planning on having a theatrical release uh, nationally and kind of doing a, uh, a road trip with the film and going to cool. different cities and going to uh, independent uh, theaters to show it for a week or so and then just yeah. in, and bring the community um, on board and so that we can have uh, discussions afterward. Uh, and then after we do a theatrical release, we are definitely going to be uh, putting it on video on streaming services various streaming services and on top of that because there is an educational component to this 
there's a great company out there called Canopy mm -hmm. uh, with a K that we are absolutely looking to uh, work with them. And what this company ultimately does is they get films into libraries around the country, into colleges, mm -hmm. into high schools so that their students and that that the the members of the community can actually watch this uh you know for free and um so that's also part of our mission in every way possible is just to get people talking and get the realities of what's happening during this you know during this crisis mm -hmm. out mm -hmm. there yeah uh, kind of a, a summary of a, a final question for me today really is is for each of you the you know the title of our show today is understanding the human condition how do you feel your own human condition was affected by this film? And then what do you do to take care of yourself? Ooh, what a question. Yeah. Yeah. It is crazy that this, that doing this film, uh, writing it with Florencia and then going through the process of producing it and actually shooting it and then post-production, all the things that we're doing to get it out there uh, happened right before the uh, pandemic, before COVID. Because mm -hmm. like what Florencia said, um, people have be, been isolated in ways that uh, that they never really have in, in certainly our lifetime. And so people have dealt with that sort of darkness in their own individual ways. And people uh, that, I, that I knew a year ago um, are different now mm -hmm. uh, because of their own personal suffering, whether that's with substance abuse or depression or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a very interesting thing that to do this film and to have had that understanding of that sort of darkness before actually entering into darkness. And honestly, I think that it helped keep my own head above water during some moments that I was feeling uh, feeling the effects of COVID. So I feel sure. very blessed that I had that opportunity to dive deep before everything yeah. happened. Absolutely, thank you so much. Mm. And if folks, I mean, can you tell the folks what other projects you guys have going on? Is there anything else that uh, you wanna let everybody know sure. about? Flora, did you want to talk about, yeah, the other yeah. question? I, you know, oh, go ahead, I sorry. Answer, I, I just, I, I think, I. If it's okay, I'd like to um, just add on to what Sarah was saying about um, the paradox of having told this story that mm -hmm. is that is so tragic. I mean, as you said, Dr. Flowers, like, and what drew me to this was the the, the fact of a of a of a family losing their child, of a mother losing their child. Um, the pain of that is kind of incomparable. Mm -hmm. And and because of that, it felt like, you know, uh, Charlene's passion to to tell it, need to tell it. She had never produced a film, never written a film. It had nothing, she had nothing to do with film at all, right. you know? And she was so driven yeah. to tell mm -hmm. this story. And then meeting Linda and her, I mean, life after you, what your death from uh, drugs leaves behind, that that book she wrote, that novella or pamphlet in a way mm -hmm. that started on Facebook, it was a like a cri de coeur. It was, yeah. you know, just screaming into the void yeah. and saying, by whatever means necessary, I must be heard. Mm -hmm. And children in particular, let me let me tell you what happens when you gamble with your life mm -hmm. in today's age where mm -hmm. things are different where fentanyl is part of the reality that wasn't, 
when I was a child, right? right? That wasn't on the landscape. So it was a real wake up call that felt to me like, you know, I, I didn't know either of these women. And it was like, yeah, we got to make this film. Mm -hmm. Now, to make a film takes a tremendous amount of money, luck, talent, fortune. Mm -hmm. And to me, the fact that we made it was such a, um, it gave me such faith yeah. in, in what is possible when the desire is there, the need is there, the mission is on target with actually helping. Mm -hmm. You know, you're making something, that's what, you know, that's what we do when we tell stories. We right. do it in the service of, you know, of, of humanity. Mm -hmm. I'm not just not too grandiose about it, but um, there were so many times where I thought, oh my God, like, what are we doing? I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, this is gonna be, you know, and we did it in spite of that and we did it together. Mm. And the fact that we made this um, makes me feel like anything is possible. Yeah. And that's not just for me, but that's like in this world, you know, we can, we can create beauty out of pain. We can uh, find meaning, you know, in, in our lives, in this moment of deep despair. And, and oftentimes it's in the darkest places that we find the light that will that will um, lead to like, I don't, you know, I, I'm not a religious person, but I but I do feel inspired by the, the fact that there is there is so much to believe in yeah. and, and that mm -hmm. is each other and what we can make together. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That was beautiful. I was just imagining you accepting your best actress, actress Oscar, <laughs> and giving that speech just now. Yes, yes, yes. That was good. That, it was very. I just. I was like. That was good. I can yeah. see her on that red carpet sure. right now. I know. Go ahead. Where are these earrings? Yes, there you go. <laughs> and they're gorgeous. You know, Doctor Flowers. I just want to add that. Uh, one of the things that really during the pandemic i couldn't see my two children yeah mm -hmm. uh and that was really hard to go through the holidays without seeing them uh being isolated from them and it brought home to me how important family is mm -hmm. and i think that maybe coming out of this pandemic some of those things that have gotten lost uh maybe we're pulling together again a little bit trying to get back to a place where we embrace the things that really, really matter to us. Yeah. Um, and I think family is, is essential there. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. I think that's a, that's a beautiful statement about family and something shiny that did come out of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. How did sure. you guys, I told you I had, that was my last question, but one more question <laughs> um, I could talk all day. How did you guys raise the money for this? <laughs> and if you don't want to well, talk about it, that's okay. No, you know, it's it's interesting because the topic hit home with a lot of people. Yeah. And uh, like anything else, you know, like mm -hmm. a campaign, we had some large contributors, investors, but we also had people who donated small amounts of money. Sure. And I think that that, that to me sometimes was more meaningful, mm -hmm. uh, getting those small donations from people who would... Uh, say to us, you know, this topic is really, really means something to me. I know somebody who mm -hmm. uh, died from an overdose. So it's, you know, really, I mean, Sarah can speak more to this because she's, you know, going on to make other films and still has to raise money. 
Um, but uh, it's, it's a struggle. But I think if you come up with uh, a good film idea and a good team yeah. and a compelling story, uh, I think people are going to be willing to get involved. Com- completely yeah. agree. Well, we have a fantastic relationship with this company called the Film Collaborative, and they basically uh, are, are through the government. They can give fiscal sponsorships to projects of their choosing, and because we had a uh, many socially responsible uh, programs and just the message of the film and what we want to do with it, uh, we got that fiscal sponsorship. So the donations that came in. Uh, we're all tax deductible, which was a huge uh, incentive for uh, a lot of people. And sure. um, so that was really great to have on top of also being able to accept uh, investments. Uh, absolutely. Are you guys, is there a way for people to continue to help you? Are you looking for that? I mean, I mean, always. Yeah. On our website, <laughs> on, on, our, on our website, um, uh, lifeafteryoumovie.com, there is actually a link uh, that says that if you'd like to donate to, to the cause, you know, that's that would be absolutely helpful to us. Absolutely. We will definitely get that word out for you guys with you Thank guys. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you. And we're running out of time, but uh, your projects. Tell us about some projects you've got coming up. Um, thank you for, for, for asking yeah. that, that's yeah. a very good interview. Um, I am currently uh, working on a Netflix show in Vancouver. Cool. Um, it's, uh, it was formerly called, I, I didn't tell you guys this, but it's no longer called Breathe because there's another show by that name. Okay. So we have come up with a new show, but it's a, it's a, it's a show about uh, survival stories, basically. Wow. Uh, Yeah. And what, uh, speaking of the human condition, what in us, uh, what's the difference between the person who survives in an extreme situation, Mm -hmm. like a a plane crash or a boat accident and, uh, and the person who who doesn't make it out. So really exploring what are the things that, that we need to, Mm -hmm. uh, to, to go on, uh, uh, you know, um, physically and emotionally, spiritually, all of those things. That just gave me chills. I can't wait to hear more about that. I think yeah. because I, that is so true. What does when when something tragic happens? Uh, one of my current patients' mother uh, left our office and it was in a horrific automobile accident two weeks ago, week and a half ago. And the only thing left of her BMW was the seat that she was sitting in just about, you know, right where she was, and almost everything else was gone. Just crazy. And and she had a few scratches and bruises and bumps, and it's like, what in oh, the I world happened? That. Yeah, oh, wow. how, how in the world, yeah. So thank God she didn't get hurt in that, but mm-hmm. you know, and, and but what is it in our, in our life, right, that keeps us safe? Is it mm-hmm. our higher power? What higher power is it? And mm-hmm. why wasn't it me this time? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? Any projects that you guys want to talk about that you're currently working on? Uh, I just finished uh, principal photography on uh, my second feature film last uh, three weeks ago, actually, um, in uh, New Milford, Connecticut. Uh, It is uh, I directed and wrote it and it is a love story, uh, but it also deals with end of life decisions and choices. So talking about the human condition also and it ultimately asks the question who gets to 
decide how and when you die. Mm -hmm. And really looking at that argument from two very different points of view where neither person is wrong. And they're coming at those arguments from a place of love um, and then ultimately what is decided. Yeah, absolutely. And that is uh, that's starring Karen Allen um, from Raiders of the Lost Ark and wow. William Sadler uh, from like the Shawshank Redemption. Oh, wow. Mm. My favorite movie, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, <laughs> mine too. Yeah, it's, a, it's just amazing. I went through that with my own mother who was suffering from Alzheimer's for years and end of life decisions. And, you know, it's that's going to be very powerful as well because it was such a difficult decision. Oh, I can't um, even imagine. Just watching her, or just a difficult situation, watching mm -hmm. my mother die um, and mm. going through that process. So thank you for doing that as well. You guys make inspiring yeah. movies. Me difficult, too. difficult, but inspiring. We're going to make musical comedy. Yeah, that's the next one. It's going to be in a rom-com musical comedy. I need to see something funny. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again for taking time out of your day to spend time with us, you guys. This is great. Thank yeah. you for having us. We'll you do whatever we can to support you. So yeah. reach we out. We wish you guys all the we best. We want to come back to Houston. So. Yeah. Oh, all right. Come, awesome. come back. It's yeah. a great city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, be sure and let us know. Yeah. We will. Yeah. All right. And well, thank I'd, you. You're welcome. I'd yeah. like to remind everyone watching or listening to us that there are numerous platforms to find our podcast. YouTube, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Please share this episode on social media or with someone that you think could help. Absolutely. And Dr. Flowers, if they want to reach you at the J. Flowers Health Institute. Easiest way to do it is go to jflowershealth.com. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful rest of the week. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Yeah. Bye Talk bye. to you soon. Bye, bye. guys. And we want to remind you that a clear diagnosis is the key to the most effective treatment possible. See you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Please join us every week for a new episode of Understanding the Human Condition with Dr. James Flowers. Dr. Flowers and his most admired mentors, respected colleagues, and VIP guests will share valuable insight into underlying health causes, conditions, and issues. These in-depth yet approachable episodes are a great resource for both private individuals and industry professionals. Our esteemed host, Dr. James Flowers, is one of the most recognized and respected names in the field of chronic pain, mental health, and substance use disorders, both nationally and internationally. Dr. Flowers is the founder of J. Flowers Health Institute, located in Houston, Texas. For more information about J. Flowers Health Institute and its concierge services, go to jflowershealth.com or dial 713-783-6655. And be sure to mention this podcast.